0: Welcome back, Giants fans. Today we're going to go over the entire offseason. No, it's not completely over yet. There are some signings still to be made. It's still just mid-May, so of course the season still is at least a few months away here. What is that, four or five months? Hopefully it's sooner than that. I don't know, but... Anyway, we're past the draft. We're past the main free agent signings. The Giants, of course, released a lot of players this offseason. Joe Shane's first offseason. So we'll talk about the entire offseason recap, review, talk about what was surprising. Was I satisfied? All those good things. Leave in the comments, were you guys satisfied with this offseason? Did anything surprise you? Hope you guys enjoyed this video. Leave a like, always helps out, and let's get into it. So we're going to start from the top. Which players did the Giants release? Which guys walked in free agency, of course, with a previous regime? These were a lot of Gettleman guys and Joe Judge guys and some even Pat Shermer guys. So, um, of course, the Giants were going to let some of those guys go. And there were some surprises. We saw the most recent one was James Bradbury getting released, but we'll go through all of them. So James Bradbury of course, was released. It was unfortunate Joe Shane tried to trade him, but nothing really worked out salary cap-wise with any of these teams they were negotiating with, so the Giants had to cut him. We found out today James Bradbury signed with the Philadelphia Eagles on a one-year deal. That sucked. I mean, I'm not mad at James Bradbury. I'm not mad at the Giants. It's business. It happens. Does it suck? Yes, because I still think is a really good corner, especially for a cornerback, too, opposite of Darius Slay. But, yeah, look, it's a business. Maybe some of this was some payback, quote-unquote, towards the Giants. I don't know, but maybe the Giants now can exploit James Bradbury next year. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, they saved $11.5 million by letting go of Bradbury. It took like a $10 million cap hit as well, so that was not ideal, but they had to do it to sign their draft picks, as we know. Logan Ryan was uh, released. That was a surprising one. The Giants didn't even save a million dollars. It was $775,000 in savings. This, of course, was mainly a Joe Judge guy, Logan Ryan. We know that. So once Xavier McKinney broke his foot before his rookie year, the Giants brought in Logan Ryan for some extra depth. He had a, uh, not a really good, but like a pretty good first season with the Giants in 2020. He signed the contract extension with the Giants, a three-year deal of $30 million. And it did not go that great in 2021. He definitely did not live up to that cat pit. So the Giants were like, look, we can move on from this guy. It's not like the Giants have the most safety depth in the world right now, so maybe it's a bit questionable, but still, Logan Ryan is now with the Buccaneers. Kyle Rudolph was cut, no surprise. They saved $5 million. I don't see things getting much better for 32-year-old Kyle Rudolph. It was one of those Gettleman signings that that was just typical Gettleman. He would give out these unnecessary big contracts, not big, but just like just unnecessary contracts to these veteran players that really don't have a lot left. Jonathan Stewart was the main example. Golden Tate was very unnecessary. And then Kyle Rudolph this year. I get it. These are culture locker room guys. Not that Golden Tate was the best culture guy, but you get what I mean. So I mean, he he tried, but it was just unnecessary. So the Giants have to take some dead cap space there. But still, they save $5 million by getting rid of Kyle Rudolph. Devontae Booker was released. Not too surprising. He was the most productive of Giants running back last year but that's not really saying a whole lot with Saquon struggling slash injured so of course you know letting go of Booker was not really a bad thing in my opinion that's fine they saved 2.1 million dollars there they cut Riley Dixon that was one of uh One of the better under-the-radar Gettleman moves, honestly, trading a seventh-round pick for Riley Dixon, but he just got worse and worse as the years went on with the Giants. I think they got him in 2019. He was very good at that point. Had a pretty good 2020, but then in this past season in 2021, he was not good whatsoever. So, yeah, Riley Dixon was an obvious cut. The Giants now are number six in the NFL in dead cap space. Not a place you want to be. The best way I can explain dead cap space is basically salary that teams cannot spend, but it still goes towards your cap space. It's not a place you want to be in. Um, In order, it's the Falcons, Bears, Texans, Seahawks, Eagles and then the Giants. I don't know how the Eagles have 36 million. I guess the Carson Wentz contract and maybe some others. on forgetting Atlanta with $63 million is surprising. I know Matt Ryan's up there, but he cannot be $63 million on his own. I have no idea. Anyway, so yeah, the Giants are not in the best salary cap situation. We knew going into this offseason, they were not going to be able to sign a lot of big contracts. The biggest contract was Mark Lewinsky. As we know, it wasn't the biggest contract in the world. So Joe Shane had to take this approach of we can sign one or two guys the decent-sized contracts, which they did, and sign a lot of guys to one-year deals. That's pretty much the way the Giants went about this. I have no complaints about it, so we'll get into the free agency signings now. We'll talk about, actually, some of the guys that went to different teams. I forgot to mention that. Jabril Peppers, of course, departed to go to the Patriots, back with Joe Judge. Will Hernandez went to, what, the Cardinals, I believe it was? I think it was the Cardinals, yeah. Will Hernandez is now with the Cardinals. Evan Ingram signed a one-year deal with the Jaguars. Austin Johnson went to the Chargers. Lorenzo Carter... Over to the Falcons. I still hope Lorenzo Carter does not haunt the Giants. I know he was having a much better final month of the season last year, so I'm hoping that he does not break out into like this amazing player going forward. But honestly, I can't complain. Jabril Peppers, it did not make sense to bring him back. Uh, Will Hernandez, I... Pretty much thought his Giants career was over after this year. He kept regressing. It was kind of like Roddy Dixon, honestly. He just kept regressing year after year. A pretty good rookie year, then it just got worse for some reason. Evan Ingram, I mean, look, sometimes you need a fresh start elsewhere, and Evan Ingram was the perfect example of that. Did not have the best relationship with Giants fans. Not that it was Evan Ingram's fault. He just dropped some footballs in very unfortunate situations there. Um Austin Johnson letting him go was a bit surprising. I forget what he got from the Chargers, but I don't think it was that much, so that was a bit surprising. But hey, I mean, the chargers definitely need some run stoppers, so I get it. So the key additions the Giants made this off season, Mark Lewinsky signs from the Colts, a right guard he's been around for a while he's playing at a not an elite level, but a good level. He's a good red guard in the NFL. He signed a three-year, $20 million deal, you know, playing next to Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith on that Colts offensive line. It was a great situation to be in. Now he'll be between Evan Neal and whoever the center's going to be, most likely John Feliciano. So it's not the best situation, but I'm having I have high hopes for Evan Neal this year. Feliciano is a wild card. We'll see about him. Tyrod Taylor signed. Well, actually, no, back to Lewinsky. The Giants. Needed an offensive lineman. We knew that. You know, Gettleman, I guess, tried at certain points to bring an offensive lineman. Nate Solder specifically, giving him the big contract, and he signed some other guys. But ultimately, the Giants' offensive line was still bottom five in the NFL pretty much every year he was here. So yeah, the Giants had to upgrade the offensive line. We knew that. So it made sense. Now they have their right guard for the next couple of years, at least, with Mark Lewinsky. Tyrod Taylor, quarterback, of course, and he signed a two-year, $11 million contract This was not surprising. The Giants, of course, look at this situation as, you know, Daniel Jones is not our guy. Our guy meaning from the point of view of Joe Shane and um, Brian Dable. Daniel Jones was not a draft pick from those guys. So they looked at Tyrod Taylor as, hey, this is a competent backup quarterback in his early 30s. He has plenty of backup experience. Guys that were behind him went on to have pretty good NFL careers or played really well in their first couple years. you know He was behind Baker Mayfield, who had a great rookie season. He was behind Justin Herbert. We know what he's been able to do. He was even in front of Davis Mills last year, who might have been the second best rookie quarterback last season behind Mac Jones with the Texans. So yeah, Uh, Tyrod Taylor, I don't know if it's all him. I'm sure he's a good mentor. But yeah, having Tyrod Taylor for two years, it's it's nice to know. Is $11 million a bit much for a backup quarterback? Yeah, I guess you can say that. But in the event that Daniel Jones goes down, and we saw this last year as Giants fans, it got ugly. It was really, really bad. Not to say that things were good when Daniel Jones was healthy last year, no, but when Daniel Jones went down, the Giants went from like really bad NFL team to like basically a college-level team, if that, back when um it was – Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm at quarterback it was very bad so Tyrod Taylor now if Daniel Jones gets hurt or plays like crap you have a situation where Tyrod Taylor is a competent NFL quarterback you're fine so he's not going to win this team a ton of games he's not going to put the team on his back but Tyrod Taylor is someone I am comfortable with as our backup quarterback John Feliciano comes over from the Bills he played mostly right guard there played some left guard played some center and John Feliciano will now be the center with the Giants that's what is on the chart right now unless something changes but John Feliciano will have the first crack most likely to be the giant center is there a chance he kind of is declining yes I can see it he's now approaching his early 30s so I can see a scenario where it's a new position kind of he's not like a natural center I, he's more of a right guard so I could see this not going perfectly for John Feliciano there might be some growing pains but ultimately I just hope he's not terrible. That's it. Like, he just has to be average, and I'll be fine with it. Max Garcia, probably some more offensive line depth. He'll probably be in that left guard conversation. Joshua Izuda will be there as well. So we'll see who the Giants starting left guard is. Um, I'm sure he's already on the roster. I don't know who else is still out there in free agency, and if the Giants can even afford anybody at this point, that is decent. So it might be Garcia versus Izuda. Maybe Shane Lemieux if he comes out of nowhere. I doubt it, but we'll see. Um, But Max Garcia, he has his ups and downs. We know he's not a consistent player, but still a guy that has uh, experience at every interior offensive line position. Justin Ellis, another just run stopper. I'm not expecting too much coming over from the Ravens. Jahad Ward coming over from the Jaguars. He's a guy that's a bit versatile, has like a good body type. So, you know, hopefully he has a few nice plays for the Giants this year. But ultimately, I'm not expecting a whole lot from Jihad Ward. Running back Matt Breda, another one-year deal. These are a lot of one-year deal guys. Basically, everyone outside of Glowinski and Tyrod Taylor is one-year deals. Like This is pretty much what you have to do in this situation if you are Joe Shane. You cannot be handing out multiple-year contracts to players in, if you're in the Giants situation right now. That would be very irresponsible. So, good job by Joe Shane. But anyway... Matt Breda big play guy he was I think clocked as one of the fastest runners back in like the 2019 NFL season so he can break big plays pretty decent receiver you know there's not much else to say about him he's not great playing through contact and things like that but he's a fine third down back I'm pretty excited for him he has experience with Brian Dable uh, and his offense last year with the Bills Ricky Seals Jones a guy that I've always been a pretty big fan of not like a huge fan but I've always watched him with the Cardinals he played with Washington last year and I think he's with the Browns one year as well. So Ricky Seals-Jones, look, he might be a bit of a red zone threat. We'll see. Daniel Jones definitely needs to have more success in the red zone. It did not come to fruition in the last couple years. So hopefully Ricky Seals-Jones can catch a couple jump balls this year. Same thing with Jordan Aikens. He's not going to be a you know, world beater out there. He might be the tight end three when things were said and done behind Daniel Bellinger and Ricky Seals Jones. We'll see. But Jordan Aikens had some moments with the Texans, some decent moments. So we'll see what he can bring us. Robert Foster, wide receiver, more of that John Ross replacement, just a speedster. It's not a guarantee he makes the team, but if he does, he might make a couple big plays throughout the season for the Giants as like the wide receiver four or five. I'm sure he could play some special teams too. So yeah, it wasn't the biggest off season. I know that, we wish as fans that we can sign the kenny galladay type guys we could have that janoris jenkins olivier vernon and Snacks harrison offseason every year but obviously with a salary cap and You know, being responsible as a GM, you cannot do that. You have to kind of pick your spots when to go all in, and the Giants were in no position to do that. So I was fine with how the Giants went about the releases and the free agent signings. I'm trying to think of like which ones were questionable, which ones didn't I like. I did not want to get rid of James Bradbury, but I get why they had to do it. Everything else I pretty much get. I may have given Evan Ingram one more chance, but the Jaguars gave him a good amount of money, so I probably would not have went that route, honestly. But if it was affordable, more affordable, I probably would have given Evan Ingram one more chance to see what he can do in this Brian Dable offense, catching those crossers and beating guys to the edge. I think he could have been successful in this Bills offense. Lorenzo Carter, another guy I would have liked to have kept, but I don't think the Giants really had a chance to keep him based on the salary cap situation. That's the case for most guys here. Free agency, you sign a you know underrated guard and Mark Lewinsky, it might end up being one of the better, um, more underrated signings in the entire NFL this offseason. We'll see how that goes. I like Tyrod Taylor, of course. Yes, $11 million, two years for a backup. Once again, not the most ideal situation, but you kind of have to with Daniel Jones' is uncertainty and injury history. You got some, you know, interior offensive line depth. You get Justin Ellis, Jahad Ward, Matt Breda, two tight ends and Seals Jones and Aikens. Your deep threat, Robert Foster. All right, you know, it wasn't, like, the most exciting offseason in free agency. We get that, but, like, ultimately... Nothing was bad. That's pretty much that's pretty much it for Joe Shane. Just don't do anything bad. And I think we avoided bad when it came to guys we lost and guys we added in free agency. I don't think anything was that terrible. So that's the good news. And now we'll get on to the draft picks the Giants made in this 2022 draft. So we'll start with the first two picks of the draft for the Giants, picks number five and seven, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher at five, Evan Neal tackle at seven. It is a beautiful thing, when need and value match up together. And that happened not once, but twice for the Giants in the first seven picks. So, Kayvon Thibodeau, of course. What do the Giants need desperately? An alpha edge rusher. They get their guy in Kayvon Thibodeau. Are there some concerns that are kind of just ridiculous about him? Yeah, I mean, yes. There there are some... Concerns about personality and that the guy enjoys cryptocurrency and just crap that doesn't matter. I really don't care personally. I'm fine with Kayvon. Very excited about that pick. Evan Neal, what else did the Giants really need on this roster? Besides everything, of course, but a right tackle, right? You have your left tackle on Andrew Thomas, assuming he stays healthy, hopefully, And then you needed a right tackle badly because your only right tackles were Matt Gano and injured Matt Perch coming off an ACL tear and pretty much unproven in the NFL. So you get Evan Neal who honestly, I thought was the best offensive tackle in this class. The Giants take him as the second offensive lineman off the board and they get him at pick number seven. So I believe the Giants have their left tackle, right tackles of the future. And assuming that Kayvon Thibodeau and hopefully Aziz Ojolari end up being a good pass rushing duo, the Giants really, really improved in those areas. So We'll see what Kayvon does as a rookie. I think there might be some adjustments he has to make against NFL offensive tackles and be more consistent rep to rep, but he'll figure it out. Evan Neal, I just have a weird confidence that he's going to be a stud right away. I just, I don't know. I, for some reason, I think Evan Neal is going to hit the ground running and be an absolute stud. I hope I'm right about that, obviously, but just sometimes you have weird confidence with players, and Evan Neal's just that guy for me right now. I don't know. 43rd overall, second round, the Giants took wide receiver Wandell Robinson. This is the pick of the draft. That can kind of make or break the draft. Now, if Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau go on to be all pro players, doesn't matter, home run draft, right? But Wandell Robinson is a big player for this Giants draft. He was considered, quote-unquote, overdrafted by the Giants at this spot. But the Giants seem to really love this kid based on them taking him. They did trade back twice. I give them a lot of credit for that. I feel like the previous regime would have just taken him at 36 or whatever pick they were. The Giants and Joe Shane had the wherewithal, the smarts, to trade back twice, get more assets and get more picks to get some of these guys on the board here. In order to get Wandel Robinson around two. The Giants assumed, hey, Wandel Robinson's not supposed to go this high. Let's just trade back a couple times, get some extra picks, and that worked out. So they still got their guy, despite trading back a couple times. I like the process there. Now the player in Wandel Robinson, that's a wait and see. He is a small guy. We know that. He's like 5'7, 5'8, 170. It's like my height, you know? Actually, I'm actually on 5'9, but still I'm 170. I get how it is. Like it's not ideal NFL size you know I'm not saying Wandale can't succeed we've seen guys around that size have really good NFL careers you know I think Golden Tate's probably around that size and Edelman maybe so I mean there's guys but like it's just tougher when you're that size it's it's definitely going to be held against you doesn't have the longest arms not a big catch radius but what he can do with the ball in his hands the way he can take a top off a defense and make guys miss There is a chance, of course, for Wyndell Robinson to be a very dangerous weapon in the NFL. If he can turn into, I don't know, just somebody like Golden Tate in his prime, I think that's probably like the best example. I know as Giants fans, we have a bad feeling when it comes to Golden Tate, the way things ended here, the big contract he signed, but you go back to Golden Tate with the Seahawks and specifically the Lions, the guy had a great career. It's not a Hall of Fame career, but it's a step below it. He had a really good career, so if he can be like, you know, just Golden Tate, Tate, but a bit smaller. I'm fine with that. That's definitely worth a second-round pick in the NFL draft. Joshua Izuda, 67th overall. That's a guy who's going to compete right away at left guard. We'll see if he can win it. I kind of hope he does, because I just want to see like the young guys play. I know that Max Garcia may win based on experience and things like that, but I kind of want to see Izuda get a shot. We'll see what happens there. But the Giants, of course, need an offensive lineman. They definitely address a lot of interior offensive line death. And Joshua Izuda adds to that. Cordell Flots, a guy who is a bit smaller, of course. He's lanky and very skinny. But still, he's a guy that can play slot corner. I have concerns about staying healthy when you're that type of body style, but still I I hope he's fine. He has long arms and hopefully can be a good stock corner for the Giants. They have a few of them between Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes, and now Cordell Flott. It's not going to be the easiest competition for him, but – This regime likes him enough to take him number 81 overall. So we'll see what happens in week one, what type of playing time he gets. Daniel Bellinger picked number 112 tight end. This is a guy I'm very excited about. I think a lot of Giants fans realize the potential Daniel Bellinger has. You look at his combine metrics and he was pretty much very good, if not elite and almost every category a guy that was very underutilized in college I mentioned that making the George Kittle comparison now he was underutilized at college not saying Bellinger is George Kittle but sometimes you find these really good tight ends because they're underused in college and that's pretty much what Daniel Bellinger was it would not shock me if he's the best Giants tight end next year for sure Dane Belton, number 114 overall, a couple picks later, a guy at Iowa that just played everywhere, played linebacker, you know, in the box, safety, deep safety, didn't matter, Um, you know, slot corner, he can play everywhere, so, you know, Dane Belton, I think, has some limitations to his game, I think tracking the ball sometimes is one of his flaws, but, you know, outside of that, he's a good athlete. He can hit very well, tackle very well. So I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be more of like a guy that pretty much moves around everywhere for the Giants and be like a Swiss Army Knife type guy. So I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. He add a couple linebackers and Mike McFadden, Darian Beavers, guys that are very good blitzers. Yes, they have their questions in, in coverage, but we'll see what happens with that. But this is a defense in Don Martindale where linebackers blitz very often. We know that. So a good scheme fit with those guys. DJ Davidson, defensive tackle, I don't have the highest expectations for, but if he can come in there and be in that rotation with Justin Ellis at nose tackle, that's all right. Just, you know, don't be a bad player for us. That's all I ask. Uh, Marcus McKeithen, guard. I mean, that's another guy who's kind of more of a developmental project. Has an awesome anchor, very strong, very big for a guard, but he has his questions out in space, how quick his feet are, and things like that. But ultimately, it's an exciting draft. I mean, the first two picks, I think, were home runs. They were just. Easy picks for the Giants in a way because these are guys that literally were mocked to go first overall, and a lot of like. Noticeable and notable people's mock drafts. Like you look at some of like the big mock draft people, whether it's like Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuiper, those type of guys, like they would have Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal going first overall in, in different mocks. Like these are guys that were good enough to go in that spot and the Giants get both of them. So I'm very excited about day one. Day two, yeah, there are more questionable picks. We don't know what Wondell Robinson's gonna be in the NFL. He has to translate that size and all the question marks to the NFL level. Joshua Izuda, of course, taking a guard out of Sucky that probably was not supposed to go as high as he did. That's definitely there's some questions there. Cordell Flots. Not many people knew who that was when the Giants took him. Myself included. Number eighty one overall. Daniel Bellinger, I think a lot of people looked at that as like, that's a good value pick for the Giants. Dame Belton, I forget the reaction from that pick. I think people were fine with it for the most part. Micah McFadden, I forget what type of reaction that got. DJ Davidson, not much of a reaction. Yeah, it's pretty... And Darian Beavers got a good reaction from people. Like, people were very surprised that Darian Beavers fell all the way to pick number 182. So I don't know what other teams didn't see with Darian Beavers, but maybe the Giants found something here. When I watched him, I made that kind of bold take, if you want to call it that, that I think he's a better... Better player right now than Tay Crowder is not to take a shot at Tay Crowder I like him but still I just think Darian Beavers right now just he's more of an NFL ready type guy honestly Like I know I know that Tay Crowder has been in the NFL for two years it might be silly to say but Darian Beavers has a much more NFL ready body style I think he's a better tackler than Tay Crowder takes better angles to the ball so yeah I'm excited to see what Beavers can do even Mike and McFadden we'll see which guy gets more playing time out of those two but yeah for the most part I I feel awesome about day one, but the rest of this Giants draft, there will be question marks and questions that have to be answered. There's questions about every draft, of course, but I feel great about Kayvon hitting in the first, at least, you know, I think it might take Kayvon until year two or year three to really show us who he is, but ultimately that pick's going to be worth it, in my opinion. Evan Neal, as I mentioned, I have a very weird confidence that he's going to be great from day one. Hopefully that's right, but a lot of these other guys, we just need a couple of them to break out. You know, I don't know who those guys would be. I like Daniel Bellinger's odds. I kind of like Dane Belton as more of that guy that can just do everything in the secondary for this team and play in the box as well. Um, but Wondell Robinson, that's the guy. He's He's got to just, he's got to be something. He can't be just a gadget guy. The Giants have to use him the right way. Hopefully Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, they have a plan. Joe Shane said they had a vision for him. We'll see about Wandale Robinson. Could it be a reach? Absolutely, but if the Giants get the ball in his hands and utilize him the right way, then hey, it might be worth it. So we'll see if he can be that Golden Tate type receiver in his prime. Anyway, that's gonna do it for this video. Overall, I'm not gonna do a grade or anything like that, but just overall, I was pretty satisfied for the most part, right? You know, I think up until, like, day one of the draft, like, I was super satisfied. Some of these day two, day three picks, they were not guys we wanted or expected, so we have to kind of wait and see, but I would say overall, it was a smart approach this offseason by the Giants. I think they got some guys they really wanted. I'm sure Mark Lewinsky was a high target for them. Same thing with Tyrod Taylor. Maybe they wanted Mitch Trubisky more on the money that matched matchup, but overall, they get Tyrod Taylor. Um, you know, I, I get the whole, like, letting go of James Bradbury thing was not what they wanted to do, but they had to do it, so that kind of sucked. But looking at the draft, getting on getting Neil, home run picks right there. So, yeah, there were some very good things about this offseason. There were some unfortunate things like letting go of Bradbury because of the previous regime leaving this current regime and Joe Shane in a very bad position, but that's just how it is when you're a very bad NFL team for half a decade, so yeah, that's just how it's got to go sometimes, but anyway, I'm excited to see how it goes, now honestly, as I said, I have a weird confidence with this Giants team, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs next year, but I just think the Giants are going to kind of overperform in a way, I don't want to, you know, put too high expectations out there, but it would not shock me if this is a seven or eight win team next year. Like, I know for that to happen, it's going to take Daniel Jones to stay healthy and have a really good season. I don't know if he can do that, of course, but I don't know. I just have a lot of confidence in Brian Dable. I like Joe Shane's vision. He definitely makes responsible decisions from what we've seen so far, so I like that about him. Um, he has a good process, which is pretty much all I ask for with the GM, so yeah. I mean, so far, I'm excited, and I'm enthusiastic about the future of this team. It might take another year or two to finally see the wins start to come, but... We'll see what they can do in this 2022 season. Anyway, that's going to do it for the video. Of course, more Giants content will come out this summer from me. Hopefully, the summer goes by fast. I want to get the football season already, but hopefully you guys enjoy this video, and I'll talk to you guys next time.